0: Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. The book of Isaiah is arguably one of the most complex books of the Hebrew Bible. It is introduced as the vision of Isaiah— son of Amos, which he was concerning Judah in Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. According to this super subscription, Isaiah, a prophet of the southern kingdom, was active in the 8th century BCE for almost four full decades. Yet only a small part of the book can be associated with one 8th century author. Even a casual reading of Isaiah in English reveals a major shift at the beginning of chapter 40. The writing style is more poetic and the harsh judgments of the previous chapters transform into messages of hope and reconciliation. Historically, the situation changed. This new author, whom scholars call the Second Isaiah, addresses a people living in the aftermath and the desolation of the Babylonian exile. We can only imagine listening to these words, the people's questions. When will this exile end? Where is hope and joy to be found? Has God, forgotten about us. Amid this despair, the prophet's poetic message reminds them of God's love, promise, and a light that will soon rise and enlighten the whole world. Let us turn and hear the magnificent words as expressed by Isaiah, words of joy and assurance. Our reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 5, 18 and 19, from the Common English Bible. Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, the Lord will shine upon you. God's glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your dawning radiance. Lift up your eyes and look around. They are all gathered. They have come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on caregivers' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will tremble and open wide. Your gates will be open continually day and night. They won't close to bring to you the wealth of nations and their kings led in procession. Violence will no longer resound throughout your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders. You will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no longer be your light by day nor will the moon shine for illumination by night. The Lord will be your everlasting light. Your God will be your glory. Thus ends the reading.
1: going home for Christmas? Has anybody asked that question of you or have you asked someone else that question any time recently? Are you going home for Christmas? Have you ever noticed how such a simple, seemingly harmless question can in certain moments just almost bring tears to your eyes? Are you going home for Christmas? Maybe it's It's such a tender question for a lot of us because it calls us to ponder where home really is for us. To ask ourselves, are we home already, like right here in this moment, in this place? Or do we feel in some way far from home and are we longing to get back there? To be human is to live with terminal homesickness, It's a universal condition for us humans that begins actually at the very moment of our birth when sadly but unavoidably we are physically evicted by our maternal landlord (laughs) from the comfort and safety and warmth of our one-bedroom little womb. This one home that we've always only known and the one home we thought we'd always be in I mean, consider this for a moment. Our our first human experience in the outside world is one of the most emotionally traumatic experiences we will ever endure. The experience of leaving home. And from that moment on, wherever we are in the world, in whatever moment we happen to be in, we will all in some way feel this endless chronic ache, this longing for home. each of us feels this homesickness in a variety of different ways. For some, this homesickness is like the deep physical longing for an actual place that feels or maybe once felt at some time in our lives like home to us. Maybe it's the place we came from. Maybe it's the place we felt when we were there like we were most at home. Maybe it's the place we wish we had never left. And with this kind of homesickness, we, you know, we might say things like, I, I just don't quite feel home here. Or I want to go back to where my people and my community and my tribe are. Or we might say, I, I, I miss this, that place where the, the, I miss the land or the seasons or the smells, the sounds. Homesickness, this kind of homesickness, is real because it longs for an actual place, um, there's another kind of homesickness that we might feel sometimes. And, and this is the longing to be at home with ourselves. Hmm. This kind of longing for inner peace. or The sense that we are really at home in our bodies. This feeling like we truly know and accept and love ourselves. And when we suffer from that kind of homesickness, we might say things like, I'm just not comfortable in my own skin sometimes. Or that phrase, "Um, I just feel like I'm beside myself. Or "I, I can't be who I really am because of the expectations that others put on me. And that kind of homesickness is the longing for inner peace that comes only when we finally befriend the true self that so many of us neglect in our pursuit of success or achievement. When we finally embrace that stranger who is ourself, we're at home. And this kind of homesickness is is so widespread in the world today that it becomes the primary source of our anxiety and our general unhappiness as humans. Now, there's one other kind of homesickness, I think, that we're apt to experience as humans, and that's, that's a longing for the past. The ancient Greeks called this kind of homesickness nostalgia. Nostalgia means something like to long to go back to the start. It's the longing for what used to be. Nostalgia, it's, it's not always bad, by the way. It can take us down this wonderful trip down memory lane, When we can remember the good times and the good people who are part of our lives and people who have come and gone, we can remember the rituals and customs, the celebrations like Advent and Christmas, Uh, all these things, the way they used to be before we moved or before that event happened in our lives or before the world changed. Nostalgia is like walking down Main Street, USA at Disneyland where everything seems so quaint and coiffed and and everything is in its proper turn of the century, small town place. But it's easy to forget that Main Street USA is not real. I mean, Disney calls it a themed land for a reason. And that theme is only alluring to us because it edits out the unfavorable memories and all those details that we don't wanna remember. And that's the real problem with nostalgia, isn't it? When remembering the good times becomes an effort to return to the good times. And this happens whenever our current circumstances do not quite live up to the fantasy or the illusion that has been made of our past. It's like having to listen to that one guy go on and on for the umpteenth time about that game-winning touchdown that he scored back in high school 45 years ago. I mean, or it's like listening to the guy who, who had to walk to and from school every day in the snow, uphill both ways and never complained once and, and that's the real problem with kids today. What makes nostalgia so dangerous is that it can turn the past into something bigger and more wonderful and more desirable than it ever really was, or something far better than what actually could be. Do any of these forms of homesickness describe in some way your life experience, the longing for place, the longing for inner peace, the longing for the past? In the Bible, this experience of homesickness is called exile. It is the longing for a place that's been lost. It's the longing for the inner peace that people once had. It's the longing to return to the past. In the Bible, exile is both a personal and a collective experience. It's felt by individuals and entire nations. Whenever they have the sense of not quite being where they belong, Or that sense of not knowing who they are now after having gone through some disappointment or tragedy. Or that sense of not knowing what the future might hold for them. Homesickness. In the Bible, it's called exile. And the Bible reminds us over and over again that that exile comes to every one of us as humans. And when it comes, it brings both grief and grace It brings grief because we have to acknowledge that we have been in some way displaced and we can't go back. But it brings grace because we realize that if we are to survive in this new reality, we have to choose to make home in the place that we're in right now. I'm reminded of, of the American philosopher, Nicholas uh, uh, Volterstoff is his name. He taught at Yale for many years. And he wrote this beautiful memoir in the aftermath of the death of his son in a mountain climbing accident. That memoir, I highly recommend it, is called Lament for a Son. And he says in his book that after the death of his son, everything he once knew and believed about God changed. It wasn't that he didn't believe anymore, it's just that some of those old familiar beliefs about God didn't work anymore. He said before the accident, he understood God to be uh, what he described as an indescribable majesty, a force of graciousness and goodness. God is the one who blesses. And then he lost his son, and he said everything was different. He asked, who is this God? Is this a God of majesty? I don't feel majesty. Is this a God of grace? I don't see grace. In fact, he says in the book, "Uh, the dark clouds hid the face of God. And do you hear the homesickness and that claim? Over time, he says, uh, he began to see that those clouds were lifting. And then what he saw were tears. Tears. He saw a weeping God, he says, suffering over my suffering. He said he had never realized that God loves this world, and because of that, God suffers. He said he had always thoughtlessly supposed that God loved without suffering. He said, I knew that divine love was the key. What I discovered, however, was that love, suffering love, is the key. His description is that this experience of exile where you you, you can't go back and return to what used to be and through his own exile he, he eventually found this new home in which he could dwell and believe. Sometimes the experience of exile causes us to gain a whole new perspective about ourselves and about God and how we encounter God and it happened that way for the Jews after their own exile. And in the reading that Amy shares with you this morning, uh, the people of Israel have, have just returned from exile in Babylon. They were there for 70 years, and the armies of, of Babylon had, had conquered Israel and carried off their politicians and businessmen, their priests, taken them back to live in Babylon. And for 70 years, they longed to go back home um, they longed for these rituals that had shaped them over so many uh, decades and, and centuries. They longed for the past, the good old days. And they, they longed for this idea that when they ever, if ever they would get back, it would just be like old times again. And it never came. It was dark and it was a hopeless season, 70 years for Israel. In fact, the, at the 137th psalm, It's one of my favorites. Um, It was written during exile, and it captures the homesickness that they experienced with with poignant clarity. Uh, Alongside Babylon's streams, it says, we sat on the banks and we cried and cried, remembering the good old days of Zion. Alongside the quaking aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps because how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland? Homesickness. But then this amazing thing happens. The Persian Empire defeats the Babylonians and Cyrus, the Persian leader, eventually orders, after about a year or so, orders the Jewish exiles to go back home to Jerusalem. And after 70 years in exile, their moment, their dream has arrived. In fact, you can read the book of Isaiah along the way through this wilderness. They, they, they sing songs about Jerusalem, uh, about their hopes and dreams of what it's going to be like. They tell their own children who were born in Babylon who've never even seen Jerusalem. They tell them stories about the beautiful city, and the strong walls and gates and Of course, the temple that King Solomon built himself. And then they arrive home and they find complete desolation. Everything has been reduced to rubble. The walls, the the beautiful buildings, the temple, it's all in ruins. And they should have expected this, but they didn't and it was devastating. Maybe in your minds, a little bit like, Those heartbreaking videos you see of of families in Gaza today who are sifting through the rubble and ash, just looking for heirlooms and relics of their past. Any reminder of who they once were and who they're going to be. These Jews wept and nothing would ever be the same again. They would never be the same again, they said. And it's in this darkness and grief that Isaiah shows up. And it's like he pulls the lever on the divine transformer and light is everywhere. And he says, arise and shine, for your light has come right here. Isaiah tells them that God has finally found them. And while they were suffering in Babylon, God was suffering too. That's suffering love. While they were homesick, God was heartsick for them. Arise, shine, for your light has come, says Isaiah. Because while you were longing for home, all those years God had been longing for you. And now your longing has met God's longing and your home. And here's the thing, it didn't feel like home. It didn't look like home. All that rubble and destruction, it was worse than exile in Babylon. And that's why Isaiah says, arise. He tells them to get up and to get to work and to, quote, rebuild the ruins. And he says that because he understands that our true home is not some distant place out there, and it's not some distant past back then. Our true home is the one we are building in the very time and place that we are in. And isn't that, in the end, the cure for our own homesickness? I mean, how do we really know that we're home? How do we find peace with ourselves? How can we ever embrace a future that doesn't have to romanticize the past? We have to rise up with faith in the very time and place that we're in right now. And we have to sift through whatever rubble we're standing in and begin to to piece it together. And it's going to look different. But Isaiah's message is it's going to look better. Because home is not somewhere else, and home is wherever we happen to be. And home is where our longing meets God's possibilities to begin to build something new with our lives. And that's the beautiful thing about Isaiah's message. You'll build a new home, he says, but it it can't be like the old home that you once had here. Because, by the way, the old Jerusalem, it wasn't very good. I mean, you... uh, your leaders took bribes. Your, your neighbors were thieves. Your uh, politicians were corrupt. Your priests told lies. And all of you trampled the poor and the orphan and the widow. You can't go back to that Jerusalem. Whether we are rebuilding Jerusalem or rebuilding our lives after a crisis or a loss, we discover that our true home is not out there. And it can't be back there. It has to be right here. And even Jesus says this later, the kingdom of God is within you. That is to say, you cannot find your true home in yesterday. And you won't find it at Disneyland's Tomorrowland. You'll find it when you finally wake up to the world you're living in and rebuild. I watched the wonderful Wizard of Oz this week. Uh, Wow! I mean... What a beautiful film about losing home and finding home again. And how does it, how does it all work? Well, Dorothy, she longs uh, in the beginning of the movie to leave home and to go to a place literally where she says there are no troubles, uh, somewhere uh, over the rainbow, uh, where dreams really do come true and where trouble melts like lemon drops high above the chimney tops and then it happens and she's, she's carried away with Toto by this tornado and, and then she longs for home and they have to find their way to get back and they encounter wicked witches and, and munchkins and winkies and all kinds of obstacles and trials with the help of three generous but imperfect friends. <laughs> but it's not until she reunites with Glinda the good witch that she discovers that all she has to do is wake up and she'll be home. What does she tell Dorothy? You've always had the power. You just had to learn it for yourself. And it's a wonderful ending because it's so true. Isn't it a gift to finally wake up where we are and find ourselves saying, there's no place like home? How did the great poet T.S. Eliot say? We shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. That's Isaiah's message. It's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to know this place again for the first time. It's time for you to, to rise up and make this place your home to choose, to be a light to the nations. This is what we do during the season of Advent. We wait and we work. We wait and we work until the full brightness of God's light fills our homes. Maybe you find yourself in that in-between time, that homelessness-to-home journey, and maybe you find yourself looking at the world and realizing Maybe there's a better way to live, too. Uh, A world without fear and violence and suspicion. Wherever you are today, God says, um, I love the the message translation, get out of bed, people. (laughs) Wake up and put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. Our takeaways for today, to be human is to always long for home. The home God calls us to is not in some other place or time, but in the here and now. And our true home is the one we are building in the place and time that we happen to be in. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit gosaintandrew.com.
0: See you next week.